Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. I'm Steve Letarte, STP auto expert and former crew chief. I know what it takes to keep engines performing at their best. STP's latest breakthrough additive, STP Ultra 5-in-1 plus Fuel System Cleaner plus Fuel Stabilizer delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline and helps keep fuel fresh during storage. For over 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines run better, longer. One bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline. Welcome to the NASCAR and NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. It's a big weekend here at NBC Sports. Southern 500 at Darlington Raceway this Sunday. Pre-race coverage starts on NBCSN at 5 p.m. The race is on NBC at 6 p.m. This is the second annual throwback weekend at the historic track. That means lots of special paint schemes and tributes to NASCAR yesteryear. And it also will mark the second consecutive year that NBC Sports will feature a throwback announcing booth with Ned Jarrett and Dale Jarrett as analysts. And on play-by-play, the man who is the guest on this bonus episode of the NASCAR NBC podcast this week, Ken Squire. Ken came into Charlotte a little early this week ahead of the race to do a sit-down interview with Kyle Petty at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. So we thought while he was here, We do this mini episode of the podcast with Ken and get his thoughts on how last year's Southern 500 went in the broadcasting booth, his literate broadcasting style, which is very memorable, and of course, his thoughts on Darlington Raceway. Ken is a legend in motorsports broadcasting. I don't use that word lightly. He actually has a NASCAR award in his honor, the Squire Hall Award for Media Excellence that is named after Ken and late MRN announcer Barney Hall. So this was a treat to spend a few brief minutes chatting with him about all things NASCAR. As always, we appreciate you listening. If you're hearing us via iTunes, please leave a rating or review, or please subscribe or have your friends subscribe. It really helps us out. There are many other options for finding us. Audio Boom, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. We generally have episodes every Wednesday. This is the rare exception. We'll have a bonus episode from time to time. If you are subscribed on iTunes or elsewhere, you won't miss an episode regardless of when it's released. And a reminder that all of our NASCAR coverage always is available for streaming via the NBC Sports app. You can download that to your tablet or smartphone or watch the stream on your laptop. So without further ado, here's our conversation with Ken Squire at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Ken, thanks for being here. First, just want to ask you, when you're here in the NASCAR Hall of Fame, and you're out on doing an interview with Kyle Petty adjacent to, to Glory Road there and seeing all those cars. Just, you know, what's it like being 
in this place that that has an award named for you? Well, it's that big sweeping staircase of cars that you know just is gripping because there's there's they encapsulate the the history of the game from stock car racing from from the beginning to, to now. I think it's just an incredibly interesting building and. It, it's such a good thing that it was organized and put together to really celebrate what the what the game is about, and it always comes back to the same thing. You know, they're they're all diamonds, and you know, they're custom cut all those cars that that were able to perform at a level to win and and get on that staircase. Yeah. I uh, want to talk to you, of course, about the the throwback race last year at Darlington and doing that. I know that last year you talked about how important it was to have that race be back on Labor Day. Uh, how What was it like being a part of that broadcast? Because to me, that was one of the most memorable parts of, of that weekend. Just how did everything go with, with you being back in the booth and, and doing that race? Actually, it felt pretty natural to, to be with Matt Jarrett. Dale, I hadn't had the opportunity to work with that much, uh, but his father and I spent a lot of time together, and uh, that was really very, very special. Anything different about doing a race after being away from it for uh, nearly 20 years that you had, you had, you'd, I think you'd done your last Daytona 500 in 1997? Was there anything Well, the different? scary part was... It, because of the cars and and they're being redefined uh, to a time period past and then remembering present and I was somewhat concerned about that and I still am uh, <laughs> you see a car like the Holman Moody number 17 they sure look like the Holman Moody 17 yeah the Pearson and it's some kid named Ricky Stenhouse and and you're groping trying to come up with and oh yeah that 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 made it challenging that was a little different than what i thought it was going to be but i enjoyed i so much doing it and uh i guess it came out pretty well yeah oh yeah absolutely uh enthusiastically reviewed um people really seem to like it uh how about from a a technical standpoint is are there things that are different about calling a race in the 21st century as opposed to the Not 1990s. really. No. It's still the same. No, and and uh, the, the fellow that is director is is really good, and the producer is excellent. And I understand he was a hockey person. Marv, yeah, yeah. Matt Marvin, and, yeah. and uh, he he really asked good questions, and he really was I thought was very very thoughtful about what gets on and what does not get on, and that that's the the secret to the success of, of live television. I, with any discipline, mm-hmm. and I, th- I thought he was exceptional. You mentioned working with with the Jarretts. Uh, obviously, you had experience with Ned, but as you said, DJ was was somewhat of a new uh, partner yeah. to have there. What, but it, it seemed seamless. I, you guys had no practice, no rehearsal. I would I would think for the most part that was just that pretty, was hard to, <laughs> pretty hard to pretty hard to pretty hard to practice <laughs> that kind of thing. You got that right. Yeah. So how did it go so well so quickly? Well, common interest. There was a common interest in sharing information and making folks understand 
what it was that, that, that Darlington was. And it was a rare opportunity because uh, when it all changed in 92 and they had evacuated Darlington, South Carolina, for the far west, and I guess that was really needed. We really needed to understand how much Darlington meant to the game, to the core of the sport, it's like the Hall of Fame. It's its own Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. that, that Darlington, because it was such a screwed-up, box-angled racetrack, <laughs> and it was perfect. Mm-hmm. It was perfect in all of its imperfections, which is sort of like most of us. Yeah. And there was something about that weekend last year, about being back on Labor Day for the first time in 13 years. There were 12 years that just that, that brought it all home, I guess. Huh? It did. Yeah. And Labor, Labor Day, a, a working man's race on Labor Day in Darlington. I mean, here's this little town, what, 16, 17, 18,000? Huh? Right. And it, it harbors this operation. And it's very important that it's in a small town like that. It, it, it speaks to what the game was. That, that was what stock car racing was when it began. And Harold Brasington, who most people thought was as crazy as a loon, uh, got that thing built and wasn't quite exactly what he thought he was going to end up with. And what he ended up with was a racetrack that was more challenging than so much of what we see today. What, what was he aiming for? He said it wasn't quite what he... Well, he'd been with. to Indianapolis, yeah. and he was going to build the Indianapolis of Darlington. And uh, one way and another, things got turned around, twisted up, and got that egg shape to it that wasn't exactly Indianapolis. Right. But the good news was that the track got built. Right. And because that none, of the, none of the corners measure up the same, and that throws the, the technical side of it, pretty much out the window. Right. You've got to have somebody that really can drive a race car and, and has a feel for it because that track won't help you at all. Right. No possible way. Fights you every single foot. Right. Uh, I just heard you do this interview with, with, with Kyle Petty and I heard him asking about your, your educational background, Boston University. You, you have a very literate style. And um, I wanted to ask you about, like, how did how did that develop? I guess, obviously, you, you went to school in the Boston area, and I know you did some radio early on. How did you develop such a literary approach to? Well, I like to read. Yeah, <laughs> that would explain it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, I really enjoy reading and 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 learning, and uh, that doesn't change. And and my interests are varied, so that that probably has something to do with it as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was very fortunate. I mean, I was extremely fortunate um, to be able to look into other activities and other games and other sports and other businesses and, and, and in my life. And, and hopefully I, I picked up something everywhere. I learned from everything. And it gave me a lot of time on airplanes to read a lot of literature. <laughs> Do you have a favorite uh, author? Uh, I would take you as a Shakespeare man for for one. Any, well, any, not any particularly. Although yeah. I, I, yeah, my wife thinks I'm a horrible person because I like Henry V. <laughs> <laughs> all that macho stuff she's in. Uh, um, but uh, 
Jim Harrison, I think, is one of my is a favorite American author, and he just passed away. And I thought his his understanding of the United States was absolutely remarkable, and loved him a lot. And I'm trying to think. I just read a book called uh, The Sleeping No, The Buried Giant, which and I can't. A, a Japanese fellow wrote it, and he wrote Remains of the Day. And I thought that this this new I had just finished it the second time because I was having some trouble with it, and I loved the luxury of being able to go back and and, and read books over, and I learned to like that more and more because we we miss so much in the and I, and I love Faulkner, mm-hmm. I mean I I thought he pretty well nailed it and and. Uh, it was too bad that he didn't get closer to motorsports because he, he certainly understood the, the time and temperature of the people uh, in his books, and particularly in the trilogy. And in that and Southern culture. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Bullets, tea, snopes. Yeah. Anything worth doing is worth doing to excess. Right. I always thought that was so trick. <laughs> and I just heard you telling Kyle out there that I mean, a lot of your background was in radio initially, and and so and you pretty much totally, totally, yeah, and yeah, so you yeah. had to to learn to paint those pictures with words. Well, that form. was that's exactly right, and and radio was perfect for uh, motorsports as far as I was concerned, because you could take license, and and you you could build pictures for people to, and and hopefully positive pictures, and. Um, TV is, is, is another whole task because you're, you have to talk about what people are seeing. doesn't make much sense not to. Right. And uh, so you're, you are locked in. You're, you're cuffed into what, what is put up in front of you. That's challenging unto itself because you don't have the, the liberty to reach out in different places and put things together like you can in, in radio, mm-hmm. which I thought was important. Right. Yeah. And did I hear uh, somebody was telling me that some of your initial work you were calling like fairs and things like that? Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Well, that and, and and I'm fortunate because now I get to do public address again. I'd love to go to Charlotte and do public address mm-hmm. and and. Uh, that brings you back with the people because one of the things you really try to do is be interactive. So uh, the public address side of things, you said it's, it's about interaction. It's about bringing people into the event. That's kind of the, the I, I think yeah. so. I think that is one of the most important parts of it is that, that it's not simply describing something. It's making people feel something about what the game is. Mm-hmm. And, and so for the most part, what, what the job is is missionary work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was certainly true with France Sr. And the people that worked for him were missionaries. There's no, no question about it. He saw a Sunday afternoon. And when he figured out what radio could be, how important radio could be, who? I mean, he, he really turned up the temperature on, on what was... To, to make NASCAR, and I've often thought that radio got such short shrift that people didn't 
didn't get how important it was, nor do they today. Hmm. In fact, radio itself doesn't know how important it is, and they keep uh, letting it slip and slide into canned music and loses its creative nature. And there was a time when radio drama was really pretty exciting thing, all kinds of great stories. And, and if you listen to The Shadow and things like that, it was really cool. Right. Yeah, if you grew up on that. Right, yeah. right. That dramatic narrative, that yeah, way of, yeah. of doing things without being able to see them. Yeah, exactly. Talking them through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Ken, you mentioned that the, the reaction last year was overwhelmingly positive um, for your appearance with the Jarrett's in, in that race and, and doing the play-by-play. Did, did, did you take notice of that immediately? And, and when did you know you when did you guys start talking about wanting to do this again this year? No, I felt pretty good when it was over. Yeah. I thought, well, I didn't make a fool of myself. <laughs> and uh, uh, walked, walked out of there that night and thought, you know, that, that was a good idea. Mm-hmm. Hope they do it again, mm-hmm. uh, because it all it, it brought it all together. That it was that it had found its home, that it and it by definition, Darlington was home mm-hmm. for NASCAR and Super Speedway racing. That's pretty important stuff. Um, Daytona takes care of itself because it has a hundred years of history, and, and Darlington was what it was after World War II. Hasn't changed much. Right. Yeah. Anything uh, for this year's, for this weekend's race for Sunday night that you're, you're planning anything different? Or? Uh, great, great concern. Yeah. Great concern. Immediate rectal flutter over all of these guys with these, these darn cars that are painted and look so much like what I know they are. And, but they've got these other strange fellows driving them, you know. That, that can get your attention. I'm sure you'll come through swimmingly as always, we'll, we'll just see. like last year. We'll see because it's it's worth the doing, and the fact that they did reconsider mm-hmm. and and they had to reach out that that was mandatory that they had to try things, and in doing that, they really found the resource that Darlington is, and Labor Day in Darlington, in the South or in the country. That idea of a working man's race and a working man's track, this, this is a track where you really do work. If, if you want to succeed, th- this is a track that, like none other, uh, it's almost like a road course because it does have so many variations in it. And that alone speaks to the ones who are really the giants of the game. This is the one that tests them. You don't find, once in a great while, somebody was like uh, Labonte did in 92 when he won this race. And everybody said, you know, kind of over the hill. And for that matter, when uh, uh, Pearson won it for the Wood Brothers in 72, and he was thought to, at that point, to be passe. And he, that was the, one of the most magic experiences because it, it was the enjoining of uh, the Wood Brothers who are unique unto themselves. I think they're a book. Yeah. I, uh, that Patrick County, Virginia, is, is real American country. And they're pretty steady, regular folks. 
and fantastic at putting cars together. I love that tree that's down there in their dooryard. Mm -hmm. In fact, there's a book of uh, trees uh, 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 that are defined, and and, um, Eddie has helped me. And we're taking pictures all the time of that tree because that tree symbolizes everything that stock car racing came from because that was the tree that when Glenn was driving, big old, I don't want to say maple because maple's where I come from. It's not true. It might be <laughs> butternut. But anyway, they would they would change engines underneath that tree, you know, put the hoist, right. pull the thing out. And that was the shade tree mechanic, which was the entire, this wasn't Indianapolis. It was local folks doing what they liked to do for the weekend. So they'd swap parts around and find a good steady. And that happened up home right. in Vermont. And you get a good hefty tree and you, you were halfway to getting your engine changed. One tree can sort of represent that connection back to well, 66 years of history. Yeah, right? it huh? does. And and, yeah. uh, and they're quite proud of that tree yeah. and part of their farm. And there was Pearson. And that all congealed into a tremendous period of success for the Wood Brothers, for racing. Pearson in that car, he just had a, a feeling about racing that few were, could seem to attain. Mm-hmm. Of course, they do, and, and they will. There's always be the ones that are that dedicated. You know? Yeah, well... We'll certainly have our eye on the Wood Brothers Sunday night. Ryan Blaney back full time. Isn't this that year. terrific? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it's been quite a story all season. How well all, he's run all season. Yeah, and and you've got this whole new crop with Larson winning just last week, right? And and bringing another whole sense of it into it. Japanese American. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite a, quite a lot of room for expansion. Yeah. This world. Yeah. 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 Well, certainly a lot of old and new will be on display Sunday. We'll, we're glad you're going to be there to, to bring it to us again. Well, I'm words. tickled. I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled to get, get the chance and, uh, and concerned about it. I need time to really reflect on who these guys are in those cars in which they don't belong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect you're going to do great come Sunday night. Well, keep your fingers crossed. Thanks for being here, Ken. Thank you. Our thanks again to Ken Squire for joining us. A reminder again that you can hear him call part of the Southern 500 from Darlington Raceway this Sunday on NBC with Ned and Dale Jarrett. The broadcast begins at 6 p.m. Sunday on NBC. Thanks to Joel Maydak for helping set up this conversation with Ken. Thanks, as always, to Tess Quinlan for producing the NASCAR on NBC podcast. If you have ideas for guests, suggestions, questions on the NASCAR NBC podcast, please send me feedback on Twitter, at Nate Ryan. Always interested in hearing what people liked and what else they'd like to hear in the program. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR NBC podcast. We appreciate you listening and hope you enjoyed it. I'm Steve Letarte, STP auto expert and former crew chief. I know what it takes to keep engines performing at their best. STP's latest breakthrough additive, STP Ultra 5-in-1 plus Fuel System Cleaner plus Fuel Stabilizer, delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline. 
and helps keep fuel fresh during storage. For over 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines run better, longer. One bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.